This is Colin Zenshu, the podcast, episode 345 for the week of October 6, 2013. What up, hey, also welcome to Akanzen Shu, the podcast, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site, Kanzen Shu. That's right, we cover anything and everything Jocko the Galactic Patrolman in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. Of course, Jocko is tied in with Dragon Ball and it's Jocko week on the show, woo! Yay! That's what we're talking about. Uh, my name is Mike Vegito EX. Joining us for the whole episode this time across from me, Mary. Hi. Hey there. How's it going, Mr. EX? It's a going fine. Thank you much. You read some Jocko. I did. Marathon mode. You did. Right before this year recording. That's right. <laughs> We've got uh, Julian over there as well. Hi. Hey. How you doing? Not too bad. Good. This is uh, a very strange consolidation of a sort of manga review of awesomeness in terms of... All right, so let me set the stage here. We have Julian, who has been picking up every issue of Weekly Jump in Japan, reading Jocko in Japanese. And I think you've yes. been spot-checking visit stuff every once in a while, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. I, for the sake of the, the website and the series, I also subscribed to the English version of Jump. Oh, look at that. So Specifically Julian, for this. Julian's doing both. We've got myself reading uh, Viz's English translation and then through Julian, going back and spot-checking things here and there in Japanese. And then, Mary, you are once again approaching as the longtime Dragon Ball fan, but you said to me, kind of early on with Jocko, I'll just wait until the whole thing's out and read it then. That's mm-hmm. what you did. Yes, I don't remember saying that, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> you did say this to me. All right. It was pretty early. Okay. So that's what happened. You were yeah, there. And I was glad I read it all there. in one shot. Okay. Well, we'll get to that. So that's what we're going to do this episode. We are covering Jocko the Galactic Patrolman, Toriyama's short new series that was kind of a tie-in to Dragon Ball. We'll talk about the uh, promotional side and expectations tying into that shortly. Uh, before we jump into the main content this week, which is news and Jocko, Julian, you were just at a party. Yes. How'd it go? I was. It was kind of fun. Uh, I happened to be the only person who went home in the evening because oh, the really? others had come from far and wide. The furthest person, in fact, flew in from Okinawa. Wow. Oh. Just to attend this little shindig. Cool. So where were you, man? So I was at Peking Duck's house, and I was not the only one there, of course. There was also a, a lot of, well, not a lot, but like seven or so other fans, including Greg. Of course, longtime friend of the show. Whose main gig right now is actually um, One Piece, but he, of course, started out as a Dragon Ball fan, and he was uh, happy to be amongst other fans where we could engage in some serious hardcore nerd conversation. All right. (laughs) But actually, I think the two of us were probably the youngest ones there. Wow. All the other people were people who basically were were acquainted with it from when it was either in the manga or on TV originally. Mm -hmm. One person actually was an animator who had worked on a couple of cuts in the 10th anniversary movie, but not enough to get her name in the credits. Oh, wow. Look Hmm. at you. Uh, Another guy had worked for Square Enix and was part of the staff for a couple of Final Fantasy games. And uh, basically everybody there either drew fan comics or did cosplay or both. All right, Julian, (laughs) here's the question then. And I wonder if you can answer this. Was Toible with you? Not as far as I know. Okay. <laughs> uh, you don't know. Not that I'm not that I'm aware of. Okay. Uh, for a second, we were getting to discussing Dragon Ball SD in the car on the way to his house from the train station. Uh, there was a, a fellow fan, a uh, female fan in the car, and uh, when we got out, I could have sworn he referred to her as Naho-san, but I... <laughs> I, I think listening again later, he actually called her Naoko, so I, okay. I may be safe. <laughs> <laughs> Why were you shit-talking SD in front of someone who may have been Oishi? Um, no, not shit-talking, but maybe not saying the nicest things about it. <laughs> it's like, it's a thing, you know? Uh, yes, the uh, classic Kanzenju phrase when we have nothing particularly positive to say. Well, that's cool. So you guys basically got together to watch Battle of Gods and just hang out, right? Well, and eat, basically. Yeah. It was kind of, well, we had sushi. There was some pudding involved. Okay. What was it? Food from the movie? Was that the, the theme well, here? Well, not all of it, but some of it was. And of course, we had a nice thing of wasabi. Nice. Flanked, flanked by little figures of uh, Beerus and Whis. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely uh, although adorable. we got so into the 
like the real nerd conversation that we mostly didn't watch the movie, <laughs> even though it was on. The movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we watched the Vegeta scene and we saw the battle scene and the, I mean, it's been out for a couple of weeks. So it's more of a, a gathering yeah. with just this as the, the drop in the background. Yes. But I, I find that watching it in that kind of context where we're mostly engaged in other things, the things that really drew our attention were like the, the mannerisms of the bad guys. Well, they're not really bad guys, but, yeah. You know, like he kind of steals the show, Beerus, mm-hmm. just because he is such a character. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, that sounds like a ball of fun. I'm glad you went. Yeah, um, it was fun. And uh, I also got a few more author comments out of the deal. <laughs> of course, you can't go and not actually do work in the process. Um, yes, although I, I tried to keep that to a minimum since I was there to be social. Right. All right. Well, that's super cool. Uh, we don't have anything quite nearly that Dragon no, Ball exciting. Not at all. So, I guess what we'll do, let's just get on into it. We got news for you. Now, Julian, this is uh, something I unfortunately missed last week, but it's just a, a little subset of news related to Battle of Z, which is the new upcoming game coming out early 2014. Blah, 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 blah. Yes. New trailer did showcase some of this and Jump did announce the game will have an exciting new opening. Ooh. Is it super exciting? <laughs> I don't know. We don't know yet. We will find out yes. if it is truly super exciting. But as far as I remember from the story, that's pretty much it. It's just like, yep, it's going to have an opening. So just to set the stage in terms of openings, the last new song we had was Raging Blast 2 with Battle of Omega, which was stripped out in the later North American re-releases because of Kenji Yamamoto. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Then the next year, we got Ultimate Blast, Ultimate Tenkaichi. It was a really big deal, especially in North America, because the entire rest of the score was replaced, but we at least got the Hechala uh, vocal opening. Then we had Rehashes the next year. So it's been a while since we've had kind of a, a traditional new animated opening, and even the Ultimate Tenkaichi opening was notable because it went back to 2D animation. It looks like we're going back to 2D animation. We know nothing about a song, so let me get some quick predictions. Mary, do you think we'll get a new song or are we going to head back into, uh, we use Hedgehala, I guess let's do We Got a Power again. Um, Or maybe they're just going to use music from Battle of Gods. Oh, so maybe like a flow version of the song? Or the insert song. Huh. Okay. Julian, what do you think? I don't know. I mean, considering the content of the game, I wouldn't be surprised if they use something from Flow. Mm-hmm. Although they could surprise us. Right. Man, if they do use a Flow song, I can see it being a case, unfortunately, again, where it's either removed or made instrumental only for the North American international release because of crazy Japanese licensing. And Blah. You can't use our song. I think there was, uh, is it the most recent Bleach game? I really like the opening. I think it's an opening from the TV series as well. Uh, the North American release had that song, except it was an instrumental version mm-hmm. of that vocal song. So that stuff does still happen, unfortunately. All right, so let's move on to some of the more uh, interesting news from this last week. This isn't so much news, because cover art, whatever, but Julian, there were two new film anime comics that came out this week. We got the cover art for them. Uh, I've got yes. mine on order. They'll show up whenever. No super rush on those. Did you check them out at all? Um, No, but I was kind of busy since Friday, and I haven't really checked it out. Uh, (laughs) So we've got the official uh, comic book version of Battle of Gods, which is, you know, taking stills from the movie and putting them on a page with sound effects. And we have the re-release of the, I think, well, of the original version, because they previously had a jump remix, sort of cheap version with double features, but... This is the re-release of the original film anime comic of Dragon Ball Z Movie 8, a.k.a. the first Broly movie, and with a new cover, which doesn't really do anything for me, unfortunately. No, it doesn't. (laughs) So uh, I guess when one of us picks up the film anime comic, we'll see if there's any new... uh stuff in there and you get another Toriyama comment maybe we have no idea but maybe but Shinsoban usually means it's just the outside that's changed mm, we'll see okay alright so there's that uh, I thought this was uh Kind of a significant piece of news, but Daisuke Nishio uh, should be a familiar name to those of you who are really into the animated side of Dragon Ball. Longtime director of uh, episodes in the TV series, but much more specifically the movies, attending this year's Salon del Manga in Barcelona. Mm. I can't remember the last time I saw someone like Nishio out there shaking hands with fans. And it's tying into some larger Dragon Ball uh, exhibition stuff. Stuff, but Julian, this seems significant to me. Yeah, it is interesting. Obviously, Dragon Ball is not the only thing he's done. Oh, obviously. I mean, even the uh, photo they put up of him, there's no Dragon Ball 
uh, in the background behind him. No. But uh, it's news for us because uh, it is Nishio. Yes, and obviously, generally, when Japanese directors of any stripe go to European film festivals, it's either one of two people. It's Hayao Miyazaki or it's Beat Takeshi. And <laughs> right. It's neither this time. It's a veteran of toy animation. Right. So obviously he's uh, had some experience in the industry. Yeah, I think it's cool. Very nice. It's going to be the end of October into uh, November the 31st into the 3rd. So if you're going to be over there in Spain, yeah, by all means, check it out. Get some photos, get some autographs. I don't know when you're going to get an opportunity like this. So The one and yes. only time we went to Barcelona was end of October, early November. It was lovely. <laughs> it was. <laughs> so mm, check it out. I want to see that crazy church. Yeah. Oh, that's what we went. Yeah, we saw that. Super cool. All right. So we have one more piece of news. That's it for you this week. Kind of light, which is perfectly fine with me. Uh, Julian, this is something we've been talking about for a while, and that's the new chapter coming to Dragon Ball Heroes. Uh, actually, I'm going to start with you, Mary, because I, I played this trailer. I just kind of put it on. I just want to gauge your reaction. It was, <laughs> it was one of those standard, what the hell is this? Yeah. I was like, this is ludicrous. What is this? Shut up, guy. He's saying the same damn thing over and over again, and it means nothing to me. So I, I know you're not super up on Heroes, but you saw this all. trailer. What did you take away from it? Did it make any sense? Uh, did you care? They seem to place a great importance on dates, uh-huh. all within a very compact time frame, it seemed like. Uh-huh. Uh, and then there were images of, I guess, types of characters that you can play in that universe. Right. But I don't know what the dates signify, to be honest, because I'm not following this. Okay, sure. So Dragon Ball Heroes started, there were all these updates, then they kind of changed the name of all the updates that were coming into Galaxy Missions. Just the regular bi-monthly, usually, updates with, uh, all right, this month we're going to do... Garlic Jr. And this month we're going to do Battle of Gods, just all the various updates. And they kind of led up to, and now a new chapter is coming to Dragon Ball Heroes. And it doesn't seem to be called a new galaxy mission. And Julian, uh, they, I mean, it was weird. This trailer, uh, the text was in Japanese. Narration was in English. Very unfortunately phrased is how I said it. A new series is in development. Why would they say that? Maybe they mean it's a new series of missions like Galaxy Mission was. Right. I don't think, at least I don't expect them to make any kind of animated series out of Heroes. No. I wish they would. The Victory Mission is sort of inching its way towards what something resembling an overarching plot. I know. <laughs> in, in the latest Victory Mission chapter, there's this mysterious guy who shows up in the middle of a tournament holding a cracked Dragon Ball. Uh-huh, that's clearly tying in. To something here, because we saw a glimpse of an evil dragon. Uh-huh, the evil dragons are coming. So obviously, whatever this next update is, it's going to tie in with the evil dragon arc of GT. Uh, they tease adult Gotenks once again, kind of turning around it. We know he's coming. So Julian... You seem to be leaning toward no longer called Galaxy Missions, kind of like version three of Dragon Ball Heroes coming? Yeah. Okay. Maybe they'll call it Victory Mission? <laughs> no, that would just get way too confusing at this point. Better than Defeat Mission. And then just to wrap it up, Julian, uh, Psycho Jump next issue is going to have a bunch of cool stuff. Oh, yes. So you've got basically what's going to be a blowout on all of the various um, uh, updates or stages or Galaxy Missions of Dragon Ball Heroes up till now. Three count them three Dragon Ball Heroes cards fe- featuring characters from the beginning part of the manga with uh, Goku and Kuririn as children and Kame Senin. Um, we've got what's billed as a three-shot Dragon Ball manga, which we don't know what that means. It could involve SD in whole or in parts. I'd kind of appreciate it if they just get through the entire Tao Pai Pai thing already. Is it going a little slow right now? She She's taking her time. In the last two months, she's done three chapters of Dragon Ball. Hmm. And considering the larger page count compared to regular Dragon Ball, that's just about doing Dragon Ball <laughs> at the same pace. Right. It's no longer the, uh, I guess you could say, Dragon Ball abridged version of the manga over in Psycho Jump here. Yes. It's just Dragon Ball in color with short characters and big hits. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, we don't know what this is. It may be a regular chapter plus two other things. It may not be SD at all and something else. So we'll find out. But there's some other stuff included. Yes. So there will also be posters and some freebie stickers. And uh, like I mentioned, there's the Dragon Ball Heroes booklet containing information about everything up until now so over 100 pages of dragon ball content it's gonna be a big issue here yes so if you are 
elementary school age and that kind of thing appeals to you, or you're just a crazy fan like I am, you can pick it up. <laughs> Me too. <sighs> All right. Uh, apparently, the um, the new teaser for uh, the Heroes mission said, stay tuned to V-Jump and Psycho Jump for more info. So obviously, Psycho Jump's going to have some stuff here. Uh, we don't have any real teases on V-Jump because the most recent issue is still sort of new. We're kind of in between releases that'll be out on the 21st of the month. So we'll get some info about that at some point in the near future, I'm sure, right? Yes. So that's the news for this week. Let's go talk about Jacko. So I remember quite vividly when this was first announced. Oh, Toriyama's doing a new series. Oh, that's cool. It's going to be a one shot, but not really one shot because it's going to be a full series. So that's neat. We yep. haven't had anything like that in a while. What He hasn't done something like that since what? Sandland? I was, when it was Sandland versus Kajika? I can't remember. I don't remember either. And I think so, but, prior hmm. to this, the most recent was Kintoki, which was just literally a one shot within one volume that was back in 2010. So it was just exciting yeah. to have new Toriyama at all. Then Shueisha kind of blew their load all up front. <laughs> the exciting revival of Dragon Ball. It's like, well, okay, now we know this is going to have something to do with Dragon Ball. Yes, the legend returns. <laughs> Uh, and I remember we were diving in. You had that augmented reality app and they're really teasing like, uh, uh, Jacko, Dragon Ball, huh, huh, stay tuned, huh? So, uh... We're going to cover it, and we decided at the time we will just wait until the whole thing is out to cover it, uh, at least here on the podcast this way, because just for the longest time, there really was no Dragon Ball tie-in, and we'd just be theorizing, which we did early on. I'm, I'm glad we did that, and we can kind of check back yes. on those. So, Julian, I'll start with you. We, yes. we sort of talked about this, uh, Mary and I, and Heath last week with uh, Battle of Gods, but just expectations uh, going into Jacko Julian, knowing, all right, Dragon Ball tie-in, where did you think this was going to go? Well, the way it was described, I kind of expected something that was pretty close to the way it turned out, mm -hmm. that it probably is mostly its own story and maybe has a bit of a connection in some parts. And that's, well, we'll get into that later, but I think that's probably an accurate assessment. Yeah. Mary, how about you? Again, you waited until the whole thing was out, mm -hmm. and I, I was sitting near you as you were finishing because I wanted to watch your reaction. <laughs> and I think I, I got most of the expected reactions out of you. Oh, really? Well, uh, so, curious uh, to know what that means. Okay. So going into it this morning, mm -hmm. <laughs> reading the manga, what were your expectations heading in? Uh, my expectations were that it would definitely involve Dragon Ball probably more towards the end uh -huh. than the beginning of it, and that it was almost certainly a prequel mm -hmm. type thing. Yeah, There were a couple of expectations that, or I should say predictions that I had that I was completely wrong about, and other things that I was like, oh, okay, yeah, mm -hmm. that makes sense. So... Let me just give a brief overview of the story, pre-spoilers, and then you can decide if you've read it, you just want to listen in the whole way. If you haven't read it, you can decide at that point, do I want to stay tuned here or go back and read it? So Jocko's really the story of this super elite member. It's this 38-member patrol force who's overseen by a galactic king, uh, and Jocko is sent off to Earth to protect it from uh, an alien invasion. He, unfortunately, uh, is distracted. What was he watching? A movie? He was watching a video, he said. <laughs> right. Uh, so he crashes into the moon and then crash lands on Earth. And then he meets up with this old man named Omori, who is living on this island, which is now government owned. He seems to have somewhat of a mysterious past. Seems he's been working on some type of technology. There was an incident. So it's just him on the island right now. And then uh, as the two of them meet and go about trying to repair the ship, they run into a woman out in the city who happens to be named Tights. And uh, the three of them have an adventure, I suppose you could say, uh, avoiding government forces and trying to help cover something up, but rescue people in the process. Julian, like your expectations going in, uh, it really ended up being Jocko's story here. Yes, yes. with some Dragon Ball stuff. So uh, again, all spoilers, decide what you want to do. Mary, as Jocko's story, did this feel like a complete story beginning to end? you feel like you got enough out of the world here? Yeah, very much so. It was just the right length, too. It was. Okay, yeah. you didn't want any more, not any less? No, I think it was, it was a perfect contained arc okay. and with an appropriate follow-up. Okay. Like, kind of, like, and after the character's stuff. Happened. Right, right. You got a little epilogue there, yeah. and then epilogue to the epilogue, almost. Uh -huh. Julian, how about you? Complete story? Felt real? I think it's a nice self-contained story. I know some people have complained about the pacing, but I felt it was a nice sort of relaxed pacing that gave yeah. it room to breathe. Mm -hmm. Obviously, um, 
we would all be happy if Toriyama decided to write more rather than leaving it at that. But being who he is, I think this is about what we can expect. I don't know. You go back to the original Dragon Ball manga. There are some times where I feel like less would have been more at points. So uh, Njaka was very different from pretty much everything he's ever done before, as far as we know, where it started and we got a page count before the first page of the manga. We knew exactly how long this was going to be. He was planning it from the get-go. and obviously drew it all in one set. It was pretty consistent the way he was working on it. We do know that he did some final touch-ups. and Yes, it was actually strange for him because the way he did it was very, I guess, disciplined in a way that he is not known for. He's a, he's the person that draws his storyboard at the same time as his draft, so they'll so he doesn't have to draw it one more time, and then just draws over top of that, leading to things like unimportant panels giving given a lot of the page and strange things like that. Mm-hmm. But this time he went through very carefully, got input from his editor, and redrew things and. I don't know, a few people have complained that maybe the art is a little too clean because of that, but I don't know. I think that's also a side effect of doing everything by computer as well. Yeah, yeah, that's something that uh, I am going to be mentioning in my written review. Um, Maybe let me jump over to you. How'd you feel about the art? You were reading it digitally. It was created Mm -hmm. digitally. Did it have too clean a feel or did it still feel really Toriyama? It still felt Toriyama. I think the thing that was different for me was the fact that it wasn't just straight up black and white like Dragon Ball is. Mm, it did I'm have used, some shading, yeah. Yeah, I had shading, which I'm not used to in Toriyama art. So that took a little getting used to, but I don't think that was, for me, an artifact of, oh, well, it's because he made this, you know, on a computer. Mm-hmm. Overall, I think it still retained his style you know, mm-hmm. very well. I didn't think it was too clean. It was just the shading made it a little bit busy for me compared to his, you know, past work. Okay. Julian, did you feel the same way? Um, yeah, I think in some ways, it you know, it's his modern art style. It feels a little bit like Dragon Quest in some of the designs, mm. but... You can still tell that it's him, and I think it fits the world that it makes. The Galactic King appears to be a cure slime. (laughs) (laughs) He's used that design before in Aliens and other series. I think maybe Gogo Akman was one of them. Right. (laughs) Uh, And really, I'm looking at this one panel. Julian, you noted one of the Galactic Patrolmen uh, appears to be Namekian. Yeah, so... Hmm. So there may be future tie-in possibility <laughs> is uh the galactic patrol is this like green lantern of toriyama's world do we have all these people out there protecting the universe maybe although they don't seem to be particularly powerful <laughs> no, well if you want to get into that jaco does say he was capable of defeating a baby version of the race that's invading but if it were an adult he wouldn't stand a, a chance so yes i guess you can uh, throw jaco into your <laughs> power strength charts if you really want to there right oh boy just going back to the presentation about uh cleansliness and busyness there are a couple i thought really good action shots one in particular i loved was when he was in the city and he fired his blaster uh there's just lots of good action lines and detail and people running and hats flying off i feel like when toriyama wants to when he does these kind of larger panels of action you still got it in him there yeah in some ways it feels almost like he's doing all these very serene panels with a lot of restraint and then suddenly you've got this big action thing yeah, yeah. it's got a lot of impact because suddenly he's going all out yeah uh, i want to talk about the design of the characters jaco himself is kind of this flat featured character and apparently he's naked the entire manga which is wonderful uh and we'll talk about some of that humor coming up shortly as well mary jaco is he a memorable looking character he's very i like his simplistic design but he is clean lines remind me a lot of like Frieza yeah to be honest I get that yeah but I think his personality is so wacky that he eventually becomes memorable maybe not at first glance so more through actions rather than looks and words and words okay I think uh, Toriyama manages to really wring a lot of expressiveness out of a face that's mostly kind of static yeah yeah I I was mentioning in my review um, he doesn't really smile a lot he's got a couple smirks but the other facial expressions like the absolute look of disgust that comes out with the sketches on TV. I feel like he's got a lot of expression there. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Like, it doesn't change very much, but it changes just enough to really get across how he's feeling at that moment. Yeah, yeah. How about the other characters? Uh, mainly Omori and Tights. Maybe a little bit Katayude as what other named characters do we? I guess yes. Azuki, yeah. sort of. Um, mm. uh, Mary, did they feel memorable, distinct? To you at all? They just kind of like, well, those are humans. I like their designs, actually. I think, um, you know, I was impressed by Omori because I 
I think to myself, wow, Toriyama's certainly drawn a lot of old, old geezer men. characters yeah. over the years, but he still managed to make Omori look different from previous characters that he's created in and the what past. was it was it the scar is that really the only uh, defining feature a scar in his hair yeah and he's got a big head yeah, he but does. i guess that's toriyama's design nowadays it is it's uh different of, enough from sheriff rao <laughs> it's the short thin characters the kind of larger heads mm-hmm. it seems to be toriyama style I, I felt that through and through with pretty much everyone amori in uh particular um julian do you feel the same way about the rest of the main cast here uh, a bit he's definitely gone towards sort of a smaller body and a larger head mm-hmm. one thing i've always been curious about is the relationship though between akira toriyama and the general super deformed aesthetic mm-hmm. i seem to recall what looks very much like an sd gundam at a time in dr slump which may have actually predated that existing as a thing mm-hmm. for Sunrise and Bandai. So I always wonder how much of an influence he may have actually had. Oh, yeah. Huh. That maybe he, he may have been part of the original super deformed kind of thing, especially with Dr. Slump. That's but definitely, he's apart from Dragon Ball, he generally draws people with fairly large head-to-body ratio. Yeah, more exaggerated features in this. You especially think back to Arale and all of his other yeah. main one-shot characters very much like this. They have huge hits yeah uh mary i want to go back to you uh talking about jocko's personality uh which i thought really shined in here and jocko's got a great sense of humor he feels very straight man to me mm-hmm. especially at times when there's almost no other character to play off of it's like he's playing straight man to no one which i really yeah, like to himself <laughs> um one of my favorite 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 moments in this series it's uh, early on maybe chapter three or four Amori's doing something and Jocko's looking at this kid and he goes I know what you are you're a child and that's a dog <laughs> and the kid's just like uh-huh <laughs> and that's Toriyama humor to me that's what I love where it's this almost Seinfeld-esque observational humor that really has no context or point to it whatsoever, but because it's Jocko saying it just so straight-faced, it's hysterical to me. What? He's demonstrating his Earth knowledge. <laughs> I, I suppose. I mean, I, I guess that's the background for the statement, but that's great. Uh, is that the kind of stuff that you latched onto, or was it his relationship and expressions to the other characters? What do you love about Jocko? I don't know that I loved okay. Jocko. Okay. He's very fun, though. All right. Now that you mention it, yeah, I guess he was kind of a one-man street man, but also the punchline to his own jokes uh-huh. in some ways. And he was very dismissive about other things, like when he's getting uh, ringed on, do you have a girlfriend? Do you like any girls? And he's just kind of like, well, we're not going to talk about this right now, and right, I'm going right. to move on in the conversation. I like <laughs> that he is both naive but knowledgeable at the same time because uh-huh. he's got, you know, he knows all the languages in the universe uh-huh. and he had all this data imported to him mm-hmm. about Earth and yet he's still just kind of naive about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Doesn't know how to fix a ship. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though someone else clearly did it right away. No problem. Uh, Julian, your take on Jocko. Uh, well, I think my my take on him is a bit similar to yours, but to me... It feels almost like he's a character who thinks he's the straight man when really he's the funny man. Mm, okay. Everything he does kind of shows him up as not not as hot as he thinks he is and really a lot smaller in the grand scheme of things than he wants to admit. Right. And he does have his cool moments, but for the most part, everything that happens in the story is sort of bringing him down to, down to size. Yeah. Yeah. And... I think it's fitting, actually, with his name, Jaco. And this requires a bit of explanation about Japanese. So Jaco, in Japanese, is a food pun, because it's Toriyama. It's little dried fish that you sprinkle on top of rice. They're kind of salty. Uh, But at the same time, the same kanji for Jaco can also be read as Zako. And in this uh, context, you have sort of the um, fan term for fiction called the zako kiara okay or basically the the small fry the mm-hmm. um the insignificant character who has little importance to the story except for maybe to be brushed aside by the hero oh so yeah um, got it well not exactly but <laughs> no, okay. so in, in in many ways it feels quite fitting and in fact in the very last chapter yeah yeah this gets brought to the fore when a character actually mistakes his name for that right so it in many respects, that that basically is who he is. It's it's a series that's centered around uh, centered around someone who, if the focus were on another character who appears in the final chapter, would not merit even 
any notice whatsoever. But this is his series, so he gets his chance to shine and also be reminded of how insignificant he actually is. So yeah, I think all sort of part of the plan in some ways, but also very much in keeping with Toriyama's sense of humor. One of the moments that I think uh, really hones in on what you were talking about earlier with Jocko thinking he's really significant, but is he really? It's uh, when he trots his way down to the TV station and poses in front of the camera and no one can really understand why he did it. And Tyson's like, well, I guess it's because he didn't like the sketch, but even the TV station is thinking, we don't really know why he came down here and did this and left. Mm-hmm. And again, that's it's Jocko to a T. It's Toriyama humor to a T. And that's uh, what really made me enjoy this manga being mixed up with other stuff. And I guess that's where I want to head next. And that's the mix of material. We've got comedy. We've got a little bit of action. We've got some drama and suspense. Mary, did this hit every item down the checklist of what you want? Uh I guess so. I, mean, I went into this not really wanting anything uh-huh. in particular, um, but you can definitely tell that Toriyama was just going at his own pace and he didn't really necessarily give a crap about what other people think because and it that... didn't hit any of those things in a huge way. I right, mean, I guess it right. hit the comedy the most, mm-hmm. but he's like, I'm not going to go out all, all out on like any of these fronts. I'm just going to do whatever. Does Toriyama being able to go at his own pace and hit up all these various things that he wants to do, does it really give the manga its own charm and world and enjoyment? Or is it kind of like, well, that was neat, but... I think more than anything, I can just see how it fits in the dragon world. It didn't have its own unique flavor just because you can tie it back to how it would feel in Dragon Ball. Julian, I guess the, the same question, just based on all these various things that he's doing in the manga. Did that contribute to a fleshed out feeling or is it just going through the motions? I felt like um, Toriyama uses uh, the relatively short space that he has to sort of bring out the characters, even as they're not really explained in huge amounts of detail. Mm-hmm. That the little the little things that they do, the things that they say, and the way that they say them really bring out their personality. And this is something that Toriyama has always excelled in doing. That he's, well, in many respects, he, he loves design first and foremost. But after that, he's very much someone who gets character humor. Mm. And the action-y stuff, well, he's good at that too, but... You know, that came later. Right. He he honed that kind of stuff through his early comedy, especially Dr. Slump. He he does absurdist things, but he also does very subtle character interactions when he wants to. And I think he really did that fairly well here in uh, bringing out the characters and also the world. That you have these people who are basically just going out of their business, but at the same time, there's these really oddball things like the obsession with this idol who's going into space. Mm, right. Who really... For some reason... Turned out to be no one of any real significance. Mm-hmm. I guess that was the point, was to bring tights yeah. in. Uh, just with the name tights, where I think I want to go now is full-on Dragon Ball talk. Uh, Julian, tights was introduced with a name... Uh, a week earlier in Japan through a digital bonus, right? Well, not just a digital bonus, but in the magazine itself, there was a special reviewer poster which featured all of these uh, different characters from the various series in Jump. But the digital bonus was just uh, taking the different series out one by one. Okay. Um, but on the the um, the guide to which characters was which, since it's drawn by a different artist, the um, Shun Saeki of Shokugeki no Soma, which is a food manga. Uh, but we learned that the the girl holding the Jaco toy is named Tights. A week before she actually is named in the manga. Right. Uh, so when we saw, and this really applies to all of us, because Mary, you still had multiple chapters to go before you learned her true identity. So I think for all of us, once we saw the name tights, was the pun association clear? And did you call where you thought she was going to fit in with the universe? Mary, because it was so recent, I'll start Mm -hmm. with you. Did you see any connection? Oh yeah. I mean, as soon as they say her name, I'm like, okay, so she's clearly got something to do with the briefs Um, because I had no idea at this point how far in the past this took place before uh-huh. Dragon Ball started. My automatic assumption was, well, maybe this. <laughs> this is my first reaction, even okay. though it totally makes no sense knowing how the character is. I thought, well, maybe it's Bulma's mom. Maybe she used to be smart and normal before she <laughs> went. Bonkers. She's so loony. Yeah. Um, okay. And I was like, okay, well, that can't be it. Well, maybe it's Bulma's grandmother or something uh-huh. like that. Because I really had no idea how far in the past this was supposed to be. Right. Right. Um, then when it came out that 
that wasn't the case, I was kind of surprised because mm-hmm. there's no mention right. at all and again, of there being siblings. This comes back to, and I think I mentioned this last week, when people ask, is this canon? I interpret that very often as, even though this has come so much later in the chronological timeline of production, am I supposed to assume that this has always been the case, even though there has never been a mention of this before? And I think tights in particular is the very definition of that. We never, ever, 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 ever have ever had any indication that Volma had siblings Mm -hmm. at all. So can you accept it is kind of the next question. But uh, Julian, I I want to stick with that first question. When you saw the name tights, where did your mind go? I I assumed that it had something to do with uh, Bulma's family. Yeah. Not only because of the name, but also because that Omori immediately comments on the name and says, well, you must be from the Western region. Mm. Yeah. Okay. West City. Capsule Corporation. Okay. Right. right. So uh, I guess the uh, question that I just said, can you accept it? Is this one of the things that sticks out like, uh, I don't know, Toriyama, you're kind of forcing it or is it? Oh, sure. Whatever. Well, I don't know. In in some ways you can try and justify it. Like, okay, Dr. Brief doesn't remember anything about his children anyway, except <laughs> right. when they tell him. Yep. Um, sure. And I don't know, maybe she's just very independent. Maybe they had a falling out at some point, or maybe it just didn't matter. But you'd think at the very least, in the midst of the science saga, uh, Vegeta and Nappa kind of obliterate East City in an instant, and she happens to live close by. Wouldn't Bulma be worried? Something like that. Yeah, even if there was just a mention in Dragon Ball about there being other kids or other family members, I would have been able to accept it a little more. And I'm really of the, I don't really care, Toriyama can do whatever, nothing affects me negatively. But this is one of the little things I'm like, "Uh," I would have liked a little tease that they could tie it to. Things like the Jump Super Animator and Battle of Gods, kind of tying into Bulma saying, oh, you know, it's been how many years since we've seen each other. They at least were able to latch onto that statement and say, oh yeah, see, they they did actually, and this is the story from that time. In this case, there's nothing. So Mary, again, it's like, do you care? Would it have been nice? (sighs) I'm both. Yeah, I, I both don't care because I agree with you. Toriyama can do whatever he wants. At the same time, like the the practical and logical part of me is like, well, they've only ever referred to Bulma, you know, in canon as you know the daughter singular <laughs> right. of uh, Capsule Corporation. Yeah, uh, implying that she was an only child. But again, I mean, Doctor Brees and his wife are so spaced out. <laughs> like, is that the justification is that like that's enough she, they are just so independent all of them that yeah. it's like yeah whatever we're family but go do whatever you want and he, yeah. even in Jocko he was like oh how's university and she, or something like that and she was like I told you I graduated right <laughs> so he's just not very there so I guess I wouldn't be surprised if it's just their family's personality type that they just don't communication's not big for them okay and I guess a a question related to that is how is that any different from Tarble where it's oh Oh, here's another one you know what you know what that did kind of bug me yeah because it's like well if all else fails just add a brother or a sister that we've never heard of before (laughs) right in lieu of actual but I mean it seems like the easiest and uh, the path of least the path of least resistance method for tying it into an already long-established universe. Mm-hmm. But does Trunks know that he could be getting all these extra presents for his birthday? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like she didn't really succeed with her novel, so maybe she's not that rich, and maybe she's estranged from the family over that. Like, she comes well, and asks for money. I don't know. Maybe she died. Well, only the one. The other ones were successful. Oh, that's right. Okay. The one about Jocko didn't succeed, <laughs> which <laughs> ties in with him. Uh, you know what I thought they were going to allude to is that yeah? Dragon Ball Z... Oh, not Dragon Ball Z, but like post Cyanarch is all her creative fiction story. Oh, really? Like that would have been burn. Now it's so <laughs> now it's just so meta. Yeah. Like yeah. she created all these fantastical stories that never happened. It never. Oh, all right. She gross wrote the biography of Mr. Satan, <laughs> rewrote history from his point of view. <laughs> Maybe that's it. That's how she's getting her money later on. Uh, all right. So let's take it to Goku here. This was. From the very beginning, I think the most prevalent theory when Jacko said there's something coming. Oh, yeah. As soon as he said that, I'm like, oh, duh. Okay. 
<laughs> right. I, I was kind of like, you know, face palming myself. Like, how can I not see that coming from a gazillion miles away? Literally from Planet Vegeta. Yes. So uh, is that really the only thing it could have been? Does that make the most sense to tie into a prequel-ish sort of story? What do you think? I think there's a couple of other routes they could have gone. I know um, very early on when they said there would be ties to Dragon Ball mm-hmm. and Jocko, like I said earlier, looks so much like a Frieza-type character. I thought maybe it was, oh, maybe Frieza all along was going to be coming to Earth to He's destroy it. it out. But then, you know, maybe he gets foiled and just forgets about it for whatever yeah. reason. Jocko's honestly just that insignificant. Yeah. <laughs> He's not really there. Julian, what do you think? Is uh, tying in with Goku's arrival logically the only place Toriyama can go? Well, I suppose if he was going for that time frame, I think he could have done something different and set it in the very distant past and make it actually maybe they were awaiting God. The child of Katats. That maybe the Namekians are actually considered dangerous because every so often they split into good and evil halves. Right, right. Or something. And I can see that, except that would almost be... Not that people don't know who God and Piccolo are in the series, but that almost feels a little too deep into the franchise's history. Whereas if it's Goku, you'd be like, ah, it's Goku! Yay! Obviously, main character! Where else do you go? So, yeah, I would like more of the... I think this is something... Else I would like Toriyama to do is, is something very similar to Jocko, but do go a little deeper where it's the kind of thing where if you know what he's alluding to, that's super cool. But if you don't, you, you don't feel like you're missing anything either with the Jocko. It's, it's so obvious and in your face that uh, like you kind of can't avoid it. Yeah. What I kind of thought would have been cool is if the time machine had played a greater role. Like maybe mm, yeah, yeah. they they miss the original encounter, but instead of encountering Son Gohan, Goku actually starts going according to his mission and killing people. And eventually they realize they screwed up. And so they have to go back in time and, and accident either on purpose or accidentally have him encounter this martial arts master oh, you know, to no, what tame have, him. What would have been great with that is if Jocko had to push Goku off the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only way I can that fix it. That would be really, really, that would be really funny. You know, what was interesting about seeing Goku again was that he was in armor. We've never seen him portrayed well, that way. Let's talk about that. And Julian, I'm glad you made a note about this in the, the chapter page for it. Can you explain this whole setup, how Goku looks and why that may even not be a deal? Yeah, so basically we see Goku, he's what looks to be probably a toddler. He's already standing. In fact, he's standing on Son Gohan's t- table having knocked over some of the dishes and <laughs> right. he's eating everything inside. He's wearing cyan armor. Now, for many people who have seen the series in a variety of media, this seems very strange because even in the official guidebooks they say, well, it was a few months after he was born that he arrived on Earth and he was you know, naked and a baby. Everything that we've seen from filler in the TV series, the Bardock special, he's literally just born. His ding-dongs hanging out and they just toss him in and off he goes. But this is not something that actually happens in the manga. We do see when Raditz is talking about Kakaroto that it's a what looks to be an infant with a tail, but could just be the last time he saw him for all we know. Right. I mean, you know, they never state exactly how long... It takes for the ship to reach Earth. Could be a while. I mean, it took Vegeta and Appa a year. Right. So why not? I mean, certainly it kind of makes more sense than to have them go naked. <laughs> Except that maybe they might blend in a little better without right. clothes at first. Uh-huh. Right. Um, and also just that there's this weird thing in the uh, Bardock special where Goku is a smiling, happy baby from the outset, which is mm-hmm. actually... That's at actually odds with what we ...counter yeah. to the manga. Yeah. So... This version seems much more in keeping with Toriyama's version, and it doesn't actually contradict anything that he specifically wrote himself. Right. Although, obviously, people are going to feel a bit weird with it, having seen other stuff from the anime. Right. I mean, we've had the Bardock special for so long, and we've had these statements about Toriyama basically accepting it, and he incorporated it back into the manga a little bit. So Bardock feels as if, yeah, that was... Toriyama accepts that as his story, so to have this kind of battling against that vision is a little tough. I mean... Well, not not necessarily all the details, though. Yeah, yeah. We, we accept that Bardock existed yeah, in the manga. Sure. But things didn't have to play out exactly the way they did in the way they had the special. I mean, the 
Trunks special, which is the reverse way, it was written first and right. then made into an anime, doesn't use the exact same details either. So so we end on Goku and we, we get a redrawn shot of an exact panel from the manga and Viz actually goes out of their way to uh, use the old translation they had there, the what a catch, what a catch. Uh, they also use the original font. It's not the same lettering as they use in the rest mm, of the series. Mm, nice catch. So we've got that. Do we feel, I guess, the way that Toriyama's written it, does this really feel like a part of the Dragon Ball world to us now? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah? In some ways. Inoffensive enough that, sure? I think when they show the scenes, excuse me, that take place in the city, everyone's dressed so oddly, like in a way that we don't see them dress in the normal Dragon Ball universe. Mm-hmm. Like that part was confusing to me in terms of, well, when is this supposed to take place? Because gotcha. we had like people dressed like Romans mixed in with people who dress <laughs> like samurai and, right. and there's not really, or ninja, and there's not really any of that as far as I can tell in like the, the defined Dragon Ball universe. Um, and that's just very cosmetic but I think mm. I can buy into it overall. Okay. Well, you know, it's an East City thing, and they got annihilated in the blink of an eye, so we never got to see them before. I or suppose, something. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> they can do whatever they want. <laughs> it's not like we see everyone in every city and how they dress, so sure, sure. Yes. What I always seem to pick up on is the lady in the go-go boots with the, either the baby stroller or something, mm-hmm. who seems to show up everywhere. I think I may have caught her in Jocko, but I need to reread. <laughs> okay. Uh, I kind of want to start wrapping it up, and maybe this is a better question than even did you like it and that's if this weren't dragon ball and we kind of knew it was from the very beginning would we care as much do you think it colored your enjoyment positively or negatively in any way i think i definitely went into it a little biased mm-hmm. like kind of saying well no mary is to bias i am to on biased. audio here oh my god all right no i understand um just if it was by itself would i have even given it a shot i don't know i've never read sandland or kajiga or any of his right. other non-dragon ball works other than a little bit of dr slump yeah um which is you know god awful of me but i think i did go into it wanting to like it knowing that it was tied to dragon ball i think and that definitely question, affected yeah. the final outcome mm-hmm. it was still very cute and very fun and not a waste of time reading because it was so relatively short would you have preferred the surprise of Dragon Ball? Or did you I, like knowing you know it was heading there? <sighs> that's that's tough. I think it would There's have no been... no way to know. So. It would have been really cool to have been surprised. Yeah. Like, that would have been just a, a fantastic feeling, like a holy shit moment. I think I actually mentioned this recently, but because it ties in with Mary, what we're watching right now, and that's Buffy and Angel. Um, when season seven of Buffy wrapped up, obviously the production staff knew that Spike was going to be moving over to Angel. And mm-hmm. I think the story is the production team wanted to keep it a surprise for the very end of episode one. Mm-hmm. But the TV network was like, we can capitalize on this and market it that Spike is coming over to this show. Mm-hmm. And I think we had a little bit of that going on where it was very coy until Shueisha said the exciting revival of Dragon Ball. Like, oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> Because it would have been fascinating if Shueisha didn't say anything and then saying that interesting numbering system at right. the beginning of each chapter, mm-hmm. like the, the the thrill of fans trying to speculate over it would have been half the fun. Right. And we still did that because we didn't know exactly where it was heading, although I'd say we mostly knew. So, Julian, really same question. If this were not Dragon Ball, if you did not very specifically, concretely know it was going to be Dragon Ball, would you have paid as much attention to it? Well, being Toriyama, I would have given it a chance. But, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, even just being Toriyama I would have colored our expectations, especially yeah. with this being the year of Battle of God. Mm-hmm. We'll think, okay, well, there's something going on here. I mean, especially with the original time frame. It was supposed to come out right around the same time as the movie. Yeah. And that would start to get people thinking anyway, even if they never said anything about that. But even so, I don't know that this series could exist separately from Dragon Ball because it seems to me like Toriyama's entire point, like he, he has it in the name of the main character and the name of the series, mm-hmm. that... This is a story of a character who is insignificant in the scheme of the overarching universe. Yeah, in, yeah. That he is a bit player in a much larger story that he isn't even aware of. His main heroic achievement of this series only buys the residents of the city another 20-something years until they're going to be killed anyway. <laughs> Fair point. And in fact, his, his greatest accomplishment is 
is also his biggest failure. He fails to notice the alien pod coming to Earth. <laughs> right. And in that, he inadvertently saves the universe. <laughs> That's deep. Without even intending to. Right. He he is the ultimate Zako Kiara. Love it. That's fantastic. I think that wraps up uh, perfectly. Yeah, and, and I can't follow that up. <laughs> All right, we're done. So that was Jocko the Galactic Patrolman. Uh, right now in English, it is available digitally from Viz via weekly chat chapters of Weekly Shonen Jump, and I forget exactly how far you can go back getting back issues. They did unveil back issue purchasing, but it's super hard to find and get to, and I don't know if you can get all 11 chapters of it right now. Uh, if you go backward, but uh, I'm sure a collected volume will come out. And Julian, we have one coming in Japan in January, right? Yes, January 4th, in fact. So right after the New Year's break, first thing you can do with your New Year's money is rush out and buy that new Tonko bone. <laughs> right. Of which we still don't know any details. I want to know about paper quality and size and all that kind of stuff. Well... There's only two color pages. I know. Uh, so that was Jocko. I, I think uh, it's it's worth a check out. And uh, we did launch the relaunch of our spin-off manga section on Kanzenshu. We have every single thing detailed. Julian's fantastic chapter notes for everything. Uh, notes about the translation, where it's applicable, synopsis, all the chapters, all that stuff. So check it out. So we're just going to go ahead and bring this episode to a close. Mary, loved having you two weeks in a row yeah, for review was, stuff. Um, especially with the, yeah. the original three on this year's show. Uh, it was I know. easy to slip back into. It's just like old times. No, and, and we've been doing this a while. Well, I should say you guys have been doing this for a while. Mary, you weren't on episode one. I know I wasn't. <laughs> so you say original three as if you oh, have a place. Oh, burn. <laughs> No. You make a girl feel welcome. <laughs> I'm really good at that. Now, now. It was when she joined that we started to hit our stride. It's true. I, yes. I listened to the first episode again a while back. Oh, was, Julian. Um, Don't do that. Rough around air. the edges. Um, <laughs> Just, um. We're going to try doing this. And um, um, it, was, it wasn't quite painful, but you could tell we were still feeling out where we were going to uh, go with it. Yeah. <clears> I think me. when uh, we did episode 100 and we kind of looked back at it, when I re-listened to all the shows, I think it's about episode 20 if you go back to episode 20 the sound recording is obviously much worse but that feels like what we're doing now is at mm -hmm. that point that's where we found the, the stride and tone for the show uh speaking of the show we're bringing this to a close this was episode was at 345 of Kanzenshu, the podcast julian tell all the kids where can they find the site and the sections and all the cool stuff we have yes Kanzenshu can be found on the internet and in your ears but you can locate us on the World Wide Web at www.kanzenshu.com. That's kanzenshu.com. And also on Twitter and Facebook. And we do have a Tumblr with cat pictures. Yep. Uh, and speaking of Facebook, uh, the URL is going to be the same for at least the time being. But the name on the page later this week will be Kanzenshu. So right. that's Finally. Exciting. <laughs> It's only been, what, almost a year and a half? A year and a half. Rebranding. That's <laughs> fun. Oh, yes. So, uh, Mary, thank you again, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Julian? It's my pleasure. So, 345. We'll check in next time for 346 here on the show. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what we're doing next time because I wanted to wrap up these review things, but uh, we'll figure it out and we'll be back in your ears. Great times. Julian, wrap it up. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Kunzenshu the Podcast. We'll be back at you next time, so stay tuned.